Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Um, Matt Stedman. Hello, Cameron Smith. How the hell are you? I'm well. It's, um, it's a funny old day, though. It's a little bit of sunshine. Yeah, when the sun comes out, you're like, ah. Oh. Oh. But then the clouds take yeah. over. Oh. Yeah, it's like, mm. It's like the ricotta trays at uh, Mediterranean. And the way the 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 nonnas go with them when they're when they're fresh and they're warm they go ah! but when they're not and they're cold and the nonnas go with the back of their hands and they go oh life is a bit like a, a little dish of ricotta uh, and we're going to be talking to who are we going to be talking to let's work backwards we um, sure. we're going to be doing thinking drinking yes uh, we are going to be looking at the uh, Australian Spirit Awards that mm. uh, happened, uh, Distilled Spirit Awards. Uh, a very impressive cocktail awards presentation was held on the 3rd of August at mm. uh, the rather incredible Victoria Pavilion at Melbourne Showgrounds. Have you seen that? I haven't been to the Showgrounds for Man, a good number of years. They spent some money in there. It yeah, is, right. it, it is uh, incredible. It's been renovated now for about three years, but, yeah, an incredible thing. Sebastian Rayborn. Yes. You know that name. Yes. You know that name, people. Um, he's going to be uh, on the blower from uh, G-Troid. Yep. And uh, we're going to run through who won what and his sort of view on where spirits are in... 2023. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here we are. And um, and then we got John at the market. Yep. Uh, John was in a pretty good mood, I've got to say, which is always a good thing. <laughs> yes. John, mood assessment. We'll give him a mood six ass- and a half to a seven I, out of ten. I give him it. You know, when the sun was out, he, he peaked at a 7.2. Oh, nice. And it was great. And uh, <laughs> we discussed a few little bits and pieces there. He, yep. He dissed my knife. He couldn't quite work out how to use that when we were talking about apples. Certain type of apple, but wait for that in market yeah. report. So, yeah, he was pretty feisty, which was good. But waiting in the green room, it's a little bit uh, exciting. We have um, from Movida, uh, Movida next door, Movida Aqui, and of course Movida in Auckland. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank Kamora is uh, is waiting in the green room to yes. talk about uh, well his time. In this town, mm-hmm. uh, defining and redefining Spanish cuisine, great hospitality, mm-hmm. and that dish, the anchovy and the smoked tomato sorbet. <laughs> wow, what a what a great little little thing that is, and uh, and many years of um, of just giving great great food and hospitality to Melbournians. So yes, I can't wait to do that. And um, as Frank comes in, we should note yes, and um, discuss and uh, applaud uh, uh, an exit from this hospitality game. Yes. And I would say to you, in an industry known as the hospitality industry, these two were both a personification of hospitality. Is that a bit too wordy? No, I would Or they agree. personified. I would absolutely agree. They they actually, you know, you say walk the walk, talk the talk. They yep. did it. I'm talking about Gail and Kevin Donovan of their eponymous restaurant. Yes. Donovan's by the Bay. In St Kilda. And, I, I, yeah, if you haven't been to Donovan's, you're probably one of the very few in Melbourne because yep. it's yep. such a um, Iconic restaurant? Yes, let's it's, go with that. It's when iconic is actually... Valid. I would agree. Thank you. Um, and I was saying, it, it's. I feel when you go to Donovan's, you. I know it's a cliche to say this, but you do kind of feel like you're in someone's lounge room. You're just sort of made very, very welcome. Bloody nice lounge room. It is a nice lounge room. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, is that how these Californians live? Um, I want to go to California. <laughs> and yeah, and like so many uh, staple restaurants, a lot of those dishes have just been on the menu since more or less week one, month yes. one. Yeah. Um, reliable, comfortable. Mm. You always have a good time. So after 25-plus years, yes. uh, Gail and Kevin are exiting that stage, uh, but the stage will continue, which is good. 
Yes, um, yeah, because it's been kind of good. There's a there's a fabulous article um, in the Age written by Danny Valant, and I couldn't mm-hmm. think of a better person um, to be given this brief mm-hmm. um, on on that. And uh, the great news is that protege Nick Parkhouse, who is the uh, som uh, on the floor there for about seven years, mm-hmm. will take over the restaurant. Yes, and uh, as promised. Pretty much, I promise not to touch anything. <laughs> don't touch that bum Alaska. Yeah, don't touch that bum Alaska. Step away, fella. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, maybe Gail's going to come in and help with the, you know, the twice yearly... The redecorations. Redecorations yeah, that yeah, happen yeah. there. So, um, uh, <sighs> love those two guys. I really yeah. do. And uh, I applaud them and uh, I wish them all the very, very best. And they've got many, many years to enjoy themselves. And yes. This girl talks about her toy boy, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> two beautiful people. It's 12.08 here on 3 Triple RFM. I want to talk to Frank. So, yeah. Oh, there was something. Did you want to talk about something? Oh, look, look, you cooked something. Very briefly. I did. Yes. Like, one of my, now, you know, one of my uh, very excited kitchen experiments. Um, this week, for the first time ever, I decided to make a vindaloo. A vindaloo. vindaloo. So, the, uh, the, one of the hottest curries on the, in the, in the, in the Indian curry catalogue, would you yes. say quite vinegary usually? That's yes, sort of that what is makes true. It, yes. so, the, so the thing that makes the vindaloo, the vindaloo I, I learned, yes. was uh, oodles of Kashmiri chilli powder. That's where the heat and also the the colour comes from. Kashmiri chilli powder? Where does yes. one get Kashmiri chilli powder from? I found a packet at the South Melbourne market. Bloody hell. And I put you. most of it into my vindaloo. Jesus, I <laughs> slipped. Yeah, um, and, and? and you're right. So a lot of vinegar um, yeah. goes in as well. And there's you know, sugar White vinegar. and there's... Um, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And there's sugar and there's cloves and there's there's garlic and all, all, the, all, all, all the basic all stuff. All the usual Base suspects. and treble and yep. And the, the yes. preparation was you... you, you protein? You, what protein were you uh, pairing I used, with uh, chuck steak, so a beef. Beef vindaloo. Which is yes. admittedly non-traditional. Pork is, is more traditional if you're from oh. the subcontinent. But okay. you know, Australians love a beef vindaloo, so yeah, I I'd stick with the classics. Yeah. Um, and ultimately you do your prep and you cook... The, the way you actually cook the protein is you... Uh, get a cast iron pot and whack it in the oven and braise it for a couple of hours. Yep. And, and the flavour was amazing. It was great. But yeah. when you have all this chilli powder in there yeah. and it slowly reduces over time, Uh-oh. it sort of catches on the edge of the cast iron pot yes. and it kind of starts to burn. Oh, my God. And and I was alerted to this only 15 minutes after put it into the oven with this, By the smoke this acrid smell sort oh. of coming from the kitchen. Which Uh-oh. an hour in was kind of like I was committing chemical warfare really? on my house. How were the cats handling it? <laughs> they weren't happy. <laughs> the cats didn't. And like... my eyes were almost watering. And I'm, oh, it's only another sixty minutes to go. Wow. Um, so and, suffering for your art. And so I took it out, washed the pot straight after the cook. Yes. Aired the house out for 10 minutes on a freezing cold Melbourne winter's night. I'm sort of sitting there shivering, going, go away. Luckily, hopefully there was a big subtly, so it cleared out quickly. It did. Uh, And then sort of resealed the house. But it still smelled like Vindaloo. And it still does smell like Vindaloo. And I only cooked it on, like, Tuesday. So, uh, look, it's delicious, but it didn't warn you about the fact that your house is going to smell like anthrax. And you're going to need a... (laughs) Vindaloo Exorcist. Yes. Melbourne's own Triple R. Frank Kamora, hello. Hey, Cam. Always good to be here. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you were able to come in. And uh, you threw a hell of a party this week on uh, Wednesday, which uh, Matt and I were lucky enough to attend. Well, thank you for coming. It was, uh, yeah, a fun way to sort of thank family and friends that uh, have supported us at Movendary Key, which we've yep. um, been there for 12 years and... Basically needed a refresh. It's about time. Yeah, we were time go. I know, I know. Twelve years feels like uh, yesterday for me. But uh, unlike uh, Donovan's, you were talking about, which refreshes twice a year. We hadn't done that. It really needed a a bit of a juice. I can't believe Gail's insane in that way, wasn't (laughs) she? It's like I'm doing it all again. Yeah. Um, So you, Aqui is. the Burke Street cousin of, uh, or brother, or whatever we want to call it, of uh, main Movida that um, started in Hosier Lane, of course. Yep, certainly is. It's his big brother in a way. Is that 
Am I right in saying that you started this? Where's my? Is, is it twenty years? Two thousand three. We'll be coming up in October. Oh. Yes. Well, twenty it, years in in the lame way, but we we're also a couple of years down at uh, this grungy little West Melbourne pub called the Karen Hotel for uh, for a little while. Remember then, yeah. her well. Yeah, it was great. Great opportunity to get. Well, there was sort of, there was a Beatles vibe there too, wasn't there? There was some sort very of... strange colour. Uh, was was yeah, very. Well, it was all sort of um, bright colours and seventies mm. um, yeah, design. Very seventies. Really, void spaces that yeah, you, that would not ever be allowed now. It's <laughs> just too wasteful. Yeah, absolutely. So, but, so that time includes a bit of time in West Melbourne, does it? No, no. no. Uh, Twenty years in Hosier Lane, coming uh, up in October. Yeah. Wow. We're going to have a big party for that, Ken. That's going to be a big one, too. <laughs> we'll I'm get going, you guys there. Hang about. But, and um, so, and I suppose the main thing that changed everything for you was a conversation about whether to do, when you were going into this, to do fine dining or something else. Uh, yeah, I guess a conversation in my yeah. head, but, um, you know, always, you know, my, my background was kind of, you know, high-end dining, mostly Italian food, but, uh, mm. but I, you know, I, I spent some time working in Spain and, and realised, you know, that style of eating, this I think it's it pretty sad. conducive to Melbourne. Um, and I, I just thought, you know, I mean, not specifically about the cuisine, but the way people dine, you know, the informality, but still quite professional and a sense of fun. Yep. That yep. was sort of thought, well, it wasn't being done. Yeah. It's yeah, you're quite right, and um, and the the rest, as they say, is oh, stop the cliches. Matt's going to slap me if I say that. <laughs> See, I didn't say it, Matt. All right, uh, I didn't. Just so that we know, you're on eat it with uh, Frank Kamora, and I've uh, just stopped myself from unleashing cliches. So I've been a good boy. Uh, the cliches for a reason, Cam. Yeah, well, no, I got a, it's like I've got a cliche jar I've got to fill up. Where were you, just very quickly, where were you cooking before you, you, you had your own place? Um, you I, said fine well, dining. Yeah, well, I worked for Guy Grossi for quite a long time, so yes. Italian food was uh, my background. Uh, no, I ran uh, down, well, I was head chef for um, quite a while at Pietro's, which is this amazing, ahead yes. of its time, Yeah, uh, towards Eltham, had a gardens and... Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, amazing Italian food and, and great experience, and then and then Florentino's downstairs in the grill and cellar bar and what have you. But wow. uh, yeah, very different to what I do now. Yeah, what a great education! But uh, and now here we are in 2023 with such well, I have to say, incredible success because you have um, a, the flagship Movita Movita next door, Aqui and and Auckland as well. Yeah, we opened Auckland. Well, that's coming on very close to a year now. So wow. that's, that's been um, really an amazing experience. How have the Aucklanders the taken to... We're really, really well. I mean, yeah. it's, we we had sort of had this in the pipeline for several, several years. I think as COVID uh, put a lot of things um, sort of on a, on a bit of a... Um, Back step. Pause. Yeah, yeah. pause. <laughs> or, um, or back burner. Yeah. Back burner. Um, so that sort of delayed quite a several years. But uh, we'd done... Uh, I think two or three pop-ups over that, well, three pop-ups yes. over that sort of three or four years, and we were very close to opening, and then just so there was a response was um, was really very positive by Aucklanders, and I mean, really? you know, Melbourne's one of those places where people from Auckland come to enjoy food, you know, enjoy culture, uh, they come to Movita, they come to a whole lot of other restaurants, so we had, you know, a really um, a big uh, demand from Aucklanders to do something, and uh, yeah, and, and the beauty of it is, you know, the produce there is is incredible. It is exceptional. It is amazing. Of course, yeah. yeah. Well, it's a pretty clean growing environment. Well, that's their whole image, isn't it? It certainly is. I mean, you know, seafood, um, you, yes. know, you know, really unbelievable stuff that we can't get here, for instance. And um, you know, there's any examples just just out of curiosity. Um, well, I mean, the clams that they supply there are yeah. just unbelievable. So we have you know a whole variety of different styles of clams, which um, you yes. know come live. I mean, there's a whole culture there now. You know, instead of oysters, but serving clams raw. You know, um, right. you find that on just about every every menu. Because they have uh, a funny thing with their oysters there with those. Bluff oysters. Bluff oysters are just in, coming into season yeah, very weird, soon. But which that's is... the weird thing. The, the bluff oysters, yeah. unlike any oyster in Australia, 
there's just a specific season and everybody yeah. goes completely mental. Mental um, is yeah, a better way of bait, saying which it. Which is, again, very close to coming into season as well, which uh, mm. you know is, is very different to Australian whitebait. It's tiny and, and people go and, and collect it as part of their culture and they'll sell it on the side of the roads. Really? And, you know, best way to eat it is basically white bread, uh, yes. fried whitebait, maybe in a little bit of an oh, egg uh, omelette. It's yeah. spectacular. Oh, we're going to go to Auckland. <laughs> we're going to go eat it. But um, here in Melbourne um, at... Uh, the Big Brother, we'll call it, uh, the original and uh, the amazing Movita. And I know um, there are people who are listening who just love coming here, and especially a certain friend of mine who's tuning in all the way from uh, East Gippsland uh, who loves coming there. But one of the things they come for is that incredible entree that was a happenstance. It was the anchovy with the smoked tomato sorbet, which... God knows how many of those you've wow. sold now. Well, I think it's – I mean, it is It is really a massive signature for us. It's one of those things that uh, we're pretty proud of, but, you know, it, 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 mostly I'm proud of because it's turned so many people onto anchovies. Yes. I was just speaking to my wife before. She was working at Movida Key last night. She was mentioning a, a customer that came in from Sydney and wouldn't, didn't want to try the anchovies. She encouraged them to eat it. And, the next, you know, and then by the end of the night, they were just, you know, enhanced by just how wonderful they were. I mean, it's – you know, those, I mean, it's all about the quality of an anchovy, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's not those little tiny, hairy numbers that you find on your Crappy on your things. pizza. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 basically like what Movida is. It's you know, it's a simple three ingredient dish. It's you know, bread, tomato, mm-hmm. and anchovy. You're going to mm-hmm. see that anywhere in, in the Mediterranean, whether it's France, Italy, Spain, Greece. But it just had that tweak, you know, making it into a sorbet and. Mm. Yeah, sort of represents our cuisine quite well, I think, and a great way to start a meal there. It's the only way yeah. to start a meal. I remember, um, if you would um, allow me to to mention the fact that I, um, for a while there, I used to get um, international chefs come in, and um, you know we could take them into the studio and interview mm-hmm. them here, or I'd just a lot of the times so I'd say, "Do you want to go out for lunch?" And I'll bring my portable ah, recorder, yeah. right? And it just makes for a more conducive thing, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and I was lucky enough to speak with Massimo Butchura, who at the time had restaurant number one for the San Pelo Awards, mm-hmm. uh, famous Italian chef. And um, he's so Italian and so full on. And I remember saying to him, we sat at the head of the bar because that's where the, the best spot at that bar because you look all the way down the gun of the, the restaurant. And I remember saying to him, and he was so Italian. Yeah. I said to him, so um, Massimo... Um, do, do you like sherry? And he went, no. <laughs> it is no. And yeah. with the upward inflation at the end, I went, okay, um, look, you're going to have to trust me because I'm going to order you a dish which is famous here, and but it has to go with the sherry. And he sort of looked at me and went, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, I'll do this for you, even though I've only just met you. And I remember he had the anchovy uh, yeah. with the tomato. Yep. And he went boom, and he looked at me, and this huge smile just came on his face. And he went, "Can we do that again? <laughs> we, we need to do that again." And he drank the sherry, you know, and we—that's a great example. Oh, it was just an amazing thing. But you must have had so many incredible people come through your place. Well, we have. I mean, I, I, to be honest, you know, it, it is a place that down that lane attracts, you know. People mm. to come to Melbourne. I mean, I, I'm just going to mention, like, with, with Mossimo, I remember it was 2014, he came out, mm. and uh, I think there was quite a number of um, chefs, and we had to, all had to do a dish each for him for his <laughs> uh, launch of his book, and it was quite, um, it was daunting, because he, yeah. had, a, he had this amazing um, brief that he sent out, the dish had to represent something about you. Oh, God. And, yeah, a narrative. And, you know, when we cook at Movita, it's, I just want to make things yeah, taste good. I'm making good, yeah. yeah, yeah taste, I'm tweak, pulling from the can. Make of, people happy. But yeah. it, was, it was a really interesting okay. way to cook because you had to do a story. So, so we did – so my – when I grew up, so mum and dad, grew, we grew up in Geelong and they, uh, they used to have, make their own Spanish ham and we still do make our own hamon. Yep. Um, but mum would always put out a plate of barbecue shapes with a hamon, which is like very strange. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Shapes and Spanish hands. I can see where this yeah. is going. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I thought, 
Yeah. You know, so a little, I made my own version of a barbecue shake, not straight out of the packet, but yeah, yeah. A, you know, refined version, and put hamon on it, and it actually worked extremely well. Oh. But just a little bit too far gone for what we do at Movita. But uh, yeah, you know, yeah. just thinking it of food that way, the way you wouldn't normally, mm. you know, consider creating a dish. And what sort um, of biscuit just, did you sort of make? It was like so a, it was like a, nice... a, a potato f- uh, flour um, wafer that we dried yes. with um, uh, tomato powder. I can't remember all the onion powder. Yes. Um, yeah, some herbs on it. So I had that sort of, you know, maybe a little bit thinner, more refined with the harmony berico. Oh. My mum was a genius. <laughs> She's way ahead of her time. Good on your mum. And what did Massimo think of it? Oh, he loved it. Yeah. yeah. He was loving it. Yeah. Oh, it was quite, and it was quite an interesting night because there's all these, you know, Melbourne chefs doing things that they wouldn't normally have done. Mm. Great event. Oh, that would have been yeah. so much fun. Yeah, yeah, that would have been great. Um, so I'm just, just wondering, this is uh, a nice, this is Sunday. And uh, do you get to... Just chill out much and take time off. Sunday and ritual is what do you go, do? go to the market, the yeah. big market. So we'll be going to see John after this. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to check out what apples. I'm listening to what apples. Oh, the have. missile apples. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. it is always, which usually Sunday morning. Um, yes. You know, get up re- not too early because you know it was hospitality. Nice. But yeah. let's say nine o'clock over there, we're usually finished and 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 cook a Sunday lunch at home. So that that's Yum. usually our ritual. Um, yeah, um, and then get ready for the week. Oh, well, there's some there's some good things around at the. You'll enjoy the market today. John's got some very very big artichokes with um, incredible stems, like really thick stems. Quite quite I amazing. Love I just um, saw that. Uh Days Walk Farm's got some cardoons, which you don't oh, notice, but no cardoons, way. yeah, so we're getting those next week, which is one of my favourite things to cook. Are you going to so, make fritters or no, what? No, I'm going to do, um, so cooked similar to artichokes, they've got a similar flavour, but they obviously yes. they look like celery. Uh, yeah, um, it's so an artichoke that looks like celery, and it's yeah. like the heart of the artichoke, yep. Right in season, and absolutely delicious, and we're going to make, um, well, normally, traditionally, it's served with clams. And maybe some pocha beans, so Ooh. clams and, and the uh, cardoons. So looking forward to being able to cook those with those this week. There's a rumour that there's a whole bunch of cardoons on the Broadmeadows railway line where a lot of Italians well, had planted. They probably are, but I mean, you've got to pick them at the right time because they get incredibly stringy. So if they go too old, yeah. then it, it's just almost inedible. You've got to you know, obviously take the strings away. So it's just picking it at, the, at their peak, like anything. Really. We're an amazing species, aren't we, that we'd actually managed to eat these things. Like it's, yeah, It still it's amazes me that we worked out how to eat a, an artichoke, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, it is one of my favourite ingredients, to be honest. And, mm. Yeah, um, in you know, again that Mediterranean cuisine, every region has their own way of, of cooking them. Um, and yeah, every a, way is the right way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's a restaurant in um, in Jerez called Barquanito, which is basically famous for their artichoke dish. Which uh, <gasps> I remember going in there, and it's tiny little bar boxes to the ceiling of of uh, raw artichokes. Yes. you got to sort of oh scurry God. around. Um, and then, you know, uh, the guy came in, had a drink with us. It was that me, actually me and Richard Cornish when we were I was going to say, is it you and Richard? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we just asked, can you give us the recipe? He goes, sure. And he just wrote down the recipe for us and uh, still cook it that way. Very simple and incredibly delicious. Wow. Well, it's been many, many moons of um, of Movida making Melburnians extremely happy, and uh, a lot of us we found out a lot of Aucklanders very, very happy, and uh, have demanded almost that you open the place in Auckland. <laughs> so, can I just say that um, you know we're talking about um, Gail and Kevin as being you know personification of hospitality. I've got to say we, uh, I think Matt and I regard you in that that same way that. You love great food and you love looking after people and we respect and admire you for that and we love you for that, Frank, and and many, many years of, of more years of making people so happy Thanks, with your Kate. great food. Tearing up as I, as I sleep. But you, you guys <laughs> as well. Ah, <laughs> oh, look, it's what we do. It's yeah. what you do, what I do. Yeah. We love this, this industry. Yeah, it's not rocket surgery. Triple mm. R. John, I think we should start this soon before the sun goes again. A very, very good morning and a big welcome uh, to the Queen Victoria Market. Hello, how are you? I'm very good and I'm happy. This is the first time we're standing in the sunshine for weeks, maybe even more than a month. It can only last a few more seconds, so we'll just take it as... Uh... No, no, the, the sky's clearing up. Yeah. You can see those beautiful... Uh, Clouds are not too whisky, so it doesn't look like it's going to be too windy. Mm. Might be a glorious day to get out there and um, have a bit of fun, walk around a park or two. Get some vitamin D. Get some vitamin D. Maybe have a good lunch as well. Maybe 
drag a blanket out and um, sit by a creek or something or just find a nice spot. Anyway, it's a good day to be around. Uh, we're sort of we're heading towards spring and I've brought a few little bits and pieces. Uh, first of all, um, the line to the donuts is very, very strong today. So there's a few people here. And yeah, they, and they all have sweet tooths. Yep, there there were a few people out in the road. No, normally um, you head out and get your breakfast first, so they're into yeah. the donuts and coffee and God oh, knows what. Well, else. they smelled good as I was going by them yeah. today. Yeah. Also, I noticed sir, that they've um, spent a bit of money. The uh, whoever the Queen Victoria market powers are in there, there seems to be a few more plants around the place in that forecourt. Bit of citrus uh, thrown around the place. Oh, yeah. They've had plants uh, all over the place, so now they've brought them down to the middle of the market, gotcha. make it look a little bit more appealing. That looks good. Um, it does, it does. It's about yeah. time they, they got it together. It's a, it's a nice space to just sit around and, uh, and do things. All right, here we are at the market. It is... Um, where are we? We're towards the end of winter? What do you think? What's your feeling? Uh, yeah, maybe. I think we might get one more banger cold. We'll, yeah, we'll, um, we'll weather it. Um, mm. Anything's possible because um, in the middle of August we've been known to wear shorts as well. Yes. And then the week after wear an overcoat or two. Oh, um, yes, we have September that just sort of throws a little bit of that warmth and then it'll just come crashing down on you. That's right. So September can be very cruel. We'll, we'll welcome whatever we get. Yes. Um, at the moment, this weather is uh, not too unreasonable for the vegetables. Most of them are holding up beautifully. Um, we've brought a show and tell. Cameron's got some of his, and I've got a little bit of mine. Yep. So uh, maybe we'll do that now. Want to? Okay. Let's um, maybe start with these um, <laughs> these tiny little apples that I brought you, just because I hadn't seen them before, and I thought. Oh, I knew that you did. I knew you'd laugh like this and go, <laughs> yeah, call well, that an apple. You know, Cameron's showing his age. He said, I thought these were snow apples because they're just a little bit bigger than a golf ball. Yep. Maybe, you know, the girth of a giant egg, a good egg. Yep. Um, and they call them missile apples. And they charge you eight bucks a kilo. Which Twelve? Eight. Oh, mate. But this is for mate, you. you. I, you I did got, this to show you. You've you, you got to be serious. Twelve bucks for a little apple like this. Yeah. I would rather go buy a beautiful, golden, delicious. Sorry to the growers, but... Yeah. You know... Should we try uh, it? Uh, yeah, you, you can try it. I've just had coffee. Thank you, anyway. Can you slice um, this a bit? Listen to this, guys. Mm. Have Blades on the other side. No, it's not. Yes, it is. That's the sharp bit. This side's... No. Mate, what sort of a knife is this? Oh, just... It's definitely not an Italian knife. No, knife. it's not an Italian knife. Look here, look here. You're dissing my apples. Now you're dissing my knife. Um, Sheesh. All right, there it is. It's, all right, I'll, I'll give you a, a run-up. It doesn't look up. like a snow apple, does it's, it? It's um, got a greeny hue yeah. rather than a, a nice yellow hue that the Royal Galas have got. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure the flavour will be very, very good. If not... They wouldn't be taking off the way they are. Mm. So I, I shouldn't be so rude. Very, very tight. Extremely juicy. Um, not as sweet as, um, you know, your jazzes and things like that, but not as acidic as uh, Pink Lady. It's a, it's a Goldilocks apple. Yeah, and, and it does look beautiful. Uh, even without tasting it, you can tell yeah, it, it, it is a good apple. It'd be nice on a, good. be good with a bit um, of blue cheese. Yeah, and, yeah. and these, these are good for the kids because... Yeah. Um, I can remember even back in the day when I went to school, I always ate my apple the bigger the better, but a lot of the kids mm. would take a bite or two, get disinterested and chuck it in the bin, so it's a bit of a waste. Maybe it's a missile apple for that reason <laughs> too. Um, Twelve bucks there. But, right. but these little apples can be dangerous because uh, they definitely could be a missile. And, and you can imagine if you copped one of these in the back of the head. Uh, that's digressing and being naughty. So. Yeah, let's not, let's not play with our food. Let's eat our food, shall we? Um, oh, what else? So yeah, if you need a little apple for the kids' lunchbox, go and get them. If not, you know, you've got beautiful Golden Dells, you've got Royal Galas, you've got your Fuji. There are so many apples out there, and each of us have our favourites. So yeah, some, like, some like. like the sweet, some like the super acidy sort of ones. You'll find it. But, yeah, it's around. It's a, it's a little novelty, although an expensive one. Um, John, you commanded me to take some of these little artichokes to, to show. These I sort of call these medium-sized artichokes. They're not yeah, they're tiny just a things. little bit smaller than a cricket ball mm. or yep. a baseball, whatever you want to say. Uh, they're very, very tight. There's um, the green variety. 
Um, I can't remember the name. Someone told me yesterday. Um, but they're very, very tight. Um, some of the restaurants uh, have got them on the menu. And we've been selling them to Donini's and they've been doing them with salchiche, which is an Italian sausage. Yes. Um, and other things on the plate as an entree. Wow. Um, they're not hard to deal with. Um, they, they look like the skin's been burnt because they've got a frost, but yeah. that's not a problem. You cut the top off, one or two layers off the outside, shave back the stem, and then, you know, you can either go with it whole or you can cut them into half or four and do them so many different ways. They're big enough to open up and stuff, believe it or not. It does look a, like a little bit of work, but it's not that hard. Yeah. Um, you can make different stuffings either with meat or um, breadcrumbs. Um, we, we do the, the normal breadcrumbs, parsley, garlic, anchovies. Car- uh, currants. Yeah, currants. Yeah, the little bit, um, the little bit of Walnuts, but uh, not everyone likes the walnuts because it does make that little bit of a, a difference. Yep. Um, but even just chucked in beside the roast, they come up beautiful as well. Yeah, actually, I did. Um, I did one the other day where um, I just wrapped it in foil, a little bit of oil on there, and then um, I'd clean them up a bit, and they were in halves. And I put a little garlic clove of garlic in the middle where the you know you, you, you get at the the thistle, you know the the choke. Um, These don't have a choke at the moment. 45, 45 minutes in the in the oven, low and slow. Open them up; they were beautiful. They're really very, beautiful. very, very nice. Um, I think here's something I think should be on everybody's plate in winter time. Uh, although the kids probably might balk at uh, the bitterness, radicchio. Yeah, we fix the bitterness quite easily because um, I've written on their name that. If you um, cut it up and put it in a bowl of water for five minutes, a lot of that sharpness comes out. Heaps, yeah. Um, and, and people have tried that and enjoyed it and keep buying it. Mm. Um, but a lot of us enjoy the bitterness. The bitterness is good for you. It's good for the gut, uh, good for the blood. Um, the colour is exceptional. When you put it into a green salad, it brings out all those colours. Um, and even if you put it in with a mignonette, it stands out. Um, and you can cook it as well. This one's a round one. We've got the long treviso, which is a little bit of a harder variety, um, which people use in a risotto or throw a hot steak on top of it to wilt it or even grill it. Uh, there are so many things you can do with a radicchio. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking about that at the moment. That would be really nice. <laughs> yeah, I keep saying I'm going to make a risotto, but... I haven't got around to it yet, but I definitely will. Yeah, I bought some special rice, and I've got a, a nice bottle of wine, white wine lined up to really? um, put into the risotto. So we'll have a go this week, I think. Oh, OK, I want to hear the, um, how, that, uh, how that came out, if you would. Can I just quickly, as a digression, salad dressings. One of the things that I think is just extraordinary is that it's still in this day and age... You still have the supermarkets, there's bottles of salad dressing. And <laughs> I'll tell you a beauty. You um, I just wanted to set we, that up for we, that laugh. We, we went to a, a barbecue about 10 years ago and, and someone's poured all this salad dressing over the lettuce. And, mm. and Frank has gone, oh, I, I, I rather like that. And she went to the supermarket and bought a bottle. Ooh. Oh, you should have heard oh. it, mate, the kids... Why are we eating this rubbish? We've got beautiful olive oil. We've got Nonno's beautiful vinegar. We've got good apple cider vinegar. You know, and they wouldn't eat the salad. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Really. Wow. A palace revolt at the kitchen table. (laughs) Oh, from the day they were born, mate. Yeah. Oh, they've always been selective. We've spoiled them because we can. How did Frank deal with it, this palace revolt? Uh, I think the bottle might still be in the cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's say uh, not many Italians would buy salad dressing because, and, and for those of you out there that still are, there's probably not that many that listen to this show, I'd probably say, but it's just, you just got to work out a ratio, you know? And I, I do all my salad dressings now using a tablespoon into a Dijon jar, the old, you know, because the, they make great salad shakers. Yes, they do. Perfect size, and the shape seems to just bounce it around. Uh, one to two is my ratio mostly. Um, if I'm going to use sherry vinegar, which I've just got a bottle of, which I really, really love because it's really sharp, um, you bring it down a little bit, and there you go. And a little bit of mustard in there if you want to make it creamy. Yeah, we, we try to keep it simple. Um, just olive oil and either apple cider vinegar or our homemade vinegar. Mm. 
But do, you, my, do you ever go Greek style and just put lemon juice in there? Uh, no. No. No, don't ask it's good. Joey. It's good. Don't ask Joey because he'll get upset. Oh, okay, well, yeah. um, but I'll, I'll tell you quickly. Uh, yeah. My mum's eighty nine, right? So yeah. um, I took her some grapes, and she didn't eat them. So she said, "Oh, what am I going to do?" Normally, she'll stew them up, make a compote or something. Yeah. But she she boiled them up, put a little bit of sugar, a little bit of apple cider vinegar in, yeah. and and it come up this beautiful bright colour. Now we don't normally use balsamic, very rarely. Yeah, me so too. she's put it in a salad, and I've gone there for dinner. And Mum, since when do you put balsamic on on a salad? <laughs> he said, "You try it," and I tried it, and I thought it was balsamic. Yeah. And then she tells me what it, she did. It came up beautiful, mm. and it really lifted the salad. So you know, I can't always be right. Okay. Wow, so, you heard the first, hey? Mark down this date, folks. Do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah, I remember where I was when I heard John say these words. <laughs> yeah, so you know you got to live in a wild side too. Okay. So. All right. Well, look after that bombshell. Let's uh, let's just look around and do the pick of the market. All right. I brought this ugly eggplant here. It's one that's grown outside in Queensland. Ooh, ooh, the nice. skin looks a little bit rough. Yeah. It's a little bit soft. I'll eat it. But when you cut it in half, there's no seed. The flesh is white. Yeah. Um, Franca sliced it up and put some Japanese sauce on it, put it in the oven. Uh, very quick, just warmed it through. It was a little bit crunchier and, you know, it didn't go soft, soft. Mm. On top of the crusty bread, it was to die for. So get out, so get some of them. I brought three beautiful little um, uh, capsicums there, about the size of an egg, nearly bigger than the apple you brought. Yeah. And now one's orange, one's yellow and one's red. Um... Joey's been eating the orange ones. Roy reckons they're the sweetest capsicums he's ever eaten. Highest in vitamin C, too. Now, these are beautiful to put a little bit of stuffing in them and um, mm. uh, either shallow fry them or, or even just brush them with oil, put them in the oven. Um, I think they're too good to, to grill and peel. Um, yeah, right. Very nice in a salad. It'll give you all the beautiful colours. It'll give you more sugar than the bigger varieties. Um, more texture as well. So I'd recommend you get out and get them. We've been selling them $12 a kilo. Yep. It's double the price of the bigger ones, but a double, more than double the, the um, taste and uh, texture. Got it. And what else, uh, just to draw us to a close, what else should we be getting? How's citrus That's this time apples. of year? Oh, citrus, you name it. Yeah. We've we got um, two or three varieties of uh, the bigger mandarins. There's about four or five varieties of the smaller mandarins that are softer. Um, Some navels over there for two fifty. Yeah, that's probably the first I'd say if yeah, they're Australian. Wow. I think they are. Two fifty um, kilo. That's good. Yeah, we. I just sold the last of the um, uh, golden oranges at eight dollars a kilo. It's a lot of money, but the fellow said oh, he, his kids have been eating them like amazing. lollies. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of citrus out there. Get out there. We had custard apples for dinner. After our dinner, the last three nights, they're nice and juicy and sloppy, uh, beautiful sweetness. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a myriad of tomatoes. We've got plenty of tomatoes. Yeah. Um, Six dollars. It's worth it because they taste better than most. Um, peas and beans ran away this week. We had beautiful beans from Gympie, 12 a kilo. Um, beautiful peas. We normally been selling them 15, 16 because they were scarce. This week we had them. Ten dollars, and they were worth eating. So they've run away as well. Uh, beautiful cavallonera. Now's the time to make those beautiful hearty soups and float the cavallonera in at last minute, rather than a savoy cabbage. Um, we've been eating it steamed. We've been making pies with it. Um, there are so many things you can do with it. Uh, like we always say, come in, have a look, smell the beautiful fragrances of the fruit and vegetables. Pick what you want to eat. Buy it, go home, cook up a storm. Don't design all your menus for the week. Do it while you're here. It's so easy. Mm. And you can save money when you come to a market. John, as always, thank you very, very, very much. And uh, I'm going to take my little tiny apples and (laughs) head on off. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about snow apples properly another time. All right. See you later. Bye. Independent Melbourne Radio 3 Triple R. We've, uh, and we've got Seb Rayborn um, on the blower from uh, beautiful Detroit. And I'm just going to turn up my volume a little bit. Hello there, Sebastian. Can you hear me? 
Cam, hello. I certainly can. Ah, well done. It's uh, lovely to have you here. There was a, a rather very a big auspicious um, occasion for all the uh, the makers of distilled goodness in this country. And uh, as a snapshot, my God, we've certainly come a long way, have we not? It was pretty incredible, actually, for those that sort of aren't, you know, ardent followers of the industry. It's sort of, I guess, the Oscars of the spirit world. It's the Australian Distilled Spirit Awards that run yes. by um, Melbourne Royal. So that's, the, you know, the Royal um, Agricultural Society. They've been doing competitions for 130 years, so yeah. they, they know how to do it. And they know how to speed that plough, <laughs> I think, is, they, their, is their motto, yeah. speed the plough. And, um, and they're really, really good at it. So this is definitely one of the, you know, what we think – you know, one of the best spirit awards in the country. And they have incredible sort of judges every year, a lot of distillers, yes. a lot of hospitality professionals and a lot of, you know, professional sort of spirit sort of people. So it's a really high-quality sort of spirit. So it means it's that... It's peer-reviewed, I suppose. Oh, is yeah. that, it's very much peer-reviewed, isn't it? Yeah, but it's also like it's it's experts in their field, you know. Like mm. it's, it's people who have you know, many years of experience in specific spirits, you know, like to join as a whiskey judge, you know, you've got to, you really got to know your stuff. You've got to do the work. You know, the expectation now for new judges is that you would do a, a spirit tasting course, you know, off really? your own bat to, 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 you know, to be ready for it. And then you'd start as a, um, a associate judge, which means that you sit in and you judge, but the okay. sort of the panel chair decides whether or not your score goes through. Yes, you know? whether so sort of, it relates yeah, with the others. Yeah, like probationary. Yes. And then you've got to do that for a couple of years before you're then a, a full judge. So they're, they're very, um, yeah, it's sensational. So it is, you know, we think, you know, one cu- of the best. All right, and I'm, I'm curious to, because, um, Seb, um, we on the show here know you as, um, you know, being, uh, well, a, a great historian and we spoke much of the, the history of booze. And then, of course, there's the, the great success with your wife, Dervla McGowan, uh, with Antha, and uh, you work with Topshop. But I'm wondering, what is your association um, uh, with uh, Melbourne Royal and, and doing all this sort of stuff? How, how did you get in on all this? Yeah, I was actually one of the, the, the judge the first year they ever ran it, which was, was actually before it was the Australian Distilled Spirit Awards. They did it as gotcha. a spirit part of the Good Food Awards. That was in... 2014, so nine years ago. Yes, and uh, and that was when I sort of first sort of joined as a judge, and so I've been a, a judge every year since. But now also am part of what they call their industry advisory body. So that means we get together after the awards and we talk about the categories. How can we better define them? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how can we improve the judging? How many more judges do we need? So this year we actually had a couple of guest judges from New Zealand. Yes, you know that was amazing to bring them over and get you know a different view i mean covid slowed a lot of that down but the the goal to get international judges to participate to again you know just lift lift the quality for everyone you know is a, is a huge thing and then um also this year this year and, and i love this this year is the first time that a trophy an individual's trophy was given for a um wine gin now i know that sounds mm-hmm. a bit sort of ridiculous but mm-hmm. um so this is um, this is basically the Four Pillars Bloody Shiraz Trophy, oh, right? Yes. So this is an entire category wow. that Cam and the team at Four Pillars have created, and it's so big now, and it's such high quality that now they basically wow. offer a trophy for the best fruit or wine gin. And this year it was a Big River Distilling up in up in the ACT with their Syrah gin that, that took it out. But this, I guess, for me. It shows how far we've come as an industry. There were over 900 entries this year and, you know, it's a very similar number of sort of percentage number of golds as previous years. But what was really important this year, way fewer non-medals. Like the quality oh, of overall just okay. keeps yep. going up, you yes. know, which is sensational. But, you know, to, have, to think about, you know, four pillars... You know, they're about, I think they're 11 years old now. Their bloody Shiraz has been around for about six years. And they've created a whole new category of spirit that didn't exist 10 years ago. And 
I think will continue to grow. And it's, you know, what a, what a testament to the quality of Australian distilling. Yeah, and uh, and as we say, what a, what an incredible snapshot in this industry because, um, as you say, it was it nearly cracked the one thousand, and maybe yeah, we might yeah, see yeah. that um, <laughs> next year. But um, this is something that, excuse the cliche, here it comes, celebrates. Matt's just stuck his head up, um, but it does. It celebrates this this industry, which let's face it, is still pretty embryonic, isn't it? Do you know, it's funny, you know, if you go down to Movida, you'll mm. see an incredibly diverse range of spirits on the back bar. But if you walk into your local bottle store, mm. chances are outside of the gin category, because that's, that's really taken off, but outside of the gin category, it's a pretty generic range. And what mm. you'd see, uh, you know, in Geelong is pretty similar to what you'd see in Perth or Brisbane, you know, mm-hmm. and we, we should drink local. You know, it's so good. It's so easy. You know, and what we, you know, it's we look at it and sort of think to ourselves that this industry, the spirits industry in Australia, is sort of where the wine industry was in the seventies. And yeah. the thing that the thing that makes it grow is is people getting behind it and mm. getting behind your local sort of um, products. So we, I know we were having a joke, you and I, this week, Cam, yeah. about the, you know, the cost of living and you know, Australian, you know, distilled spirits can be expensive, especially you know, gold medal winning single malts and things like that. But <laughs> yes. one of the things that you can do is go visit, you know, go visit, you know, you, know, you can you can sort of spend $20, do a tasting, meet the people who created it. You don't have to sort of, you know, empty the bank account to go and experience what all of those different distilleries are creating, you know. And if you're up, you know, towards Eltham, you know, pop into Nort Distillery, which just won Best Victorian Gin, which was sensational, uh, Puss and Muse was the champion Victorian distiller there, just in Nutter Wadding. You know, if you're over in Adelaide, um, Prohibition Liquor just took out the champion um, Australian distiller, which was just sensational. Um, but also, you know, our very own Starwood got best blended whiskey, which was sensational. Mm. Um, if you're up in Bright, you know, getting up there for a little bit of late snow there, Neo New World Gin just won sort of best contemporary gin. and. Yep. The guys in Nagambi got best Navy strength. So there's so much, you know, amazing stuff. Obviously, come and visit Antha down down with us. But, you know, there's... Where, where's Antha you know, going? You might as well oh, down, finish yeah, the down plug. Down North Geelong, that's right. Get yes. out if you're coming down to the Ballerine. Yes. You know, come and see us, see the Whiskery. You know, go and see Anne at Great Ocean Road. Yes. Gin. Like, there's, there's the guys at Flow State. So like, how do we look all these things day? up to find her? I think that's a great idea, and um, I'm going to command Matt to go to a distillery, which uh, he, seem, he seems to be into. No, I think he's into the idea. Um, but how do we look up uh, and find great distilleries and um, uh, the ones that are welcoming, welcoming the punters with open arms? Yeah, and most do. You know, most we, we do. do. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty easy. I think the best thing is to, to pick a region, you know, and then your, you know, your search engine is your friend. You know, jump onto DuckDuckGo. Mm. Type in, you know, I'm going to head down to the Bellarine or I'm going to head down to Mornington Distilleries, you know, and they'll come up and you'll see Jimmy Rum down there, which won Best Cane Spirit this year, which was sensational for their Navy Strength unaged, yes, not rum, cane spirit, but, mm. um, you know, just sensational. You can pop into St Felix on the way past. they got the Best Aperitivo Bitter. Uh, they're down in Mordialic. So, you know, it's definitely just sort of jump on the search engine and have a look. At, All right. You know, so just to reiterate, place, to reiterate, to reiterate, your idea is to say, <laughs> look, come on down. You don't have to spend a fortune, but you can get a great experience. Meet the people uh, that are distilling. So see these great small business operators, and you get to be included in their their vision and 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 what they're doing. And it's always fascinating. And I personally uh, love going to distilleries just to check out those sexy little number, those stills, you know, to see what voluptuous shape I can find. Ooh, it's in copper too, and I get a little, uh, I don't know, they make me feel a little bit funny when I see beautiful stills. I'm I'm sure you're the same and would have been amazing when yours arrived at the the distillery. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it's a little bit steampunk, 
It's yes. a little bit sort of, yes. you, know, uh, you know, form and function. Yes, uh, you know, and, slightly Victorian. Uh, yeah, it is. And it's even though, you know, most stills now you know, internally have a very modern philosophy of, you know, what they do, mm. the way they do it is really still very old tech that's thousands of years old. And, and there's a little bit of alchemy in there too, isn't that's there? That's it. Heat the liquid up, cool, yeah. the li- you know, cool, cool the liquid that liquid down. down. It's, it's really, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a very simple proposition in, in a lot of ways. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I love all right. know, getting in so, and using a distillery. Seb, we've got about three, well, about two minutes left. I just want you, if you wanted to just highlight who um, you thought were really, really laudable in uh, what they had achieved this year's with the awards. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Jimmy Rum, they're actually a, a favourite of mine. Where down are they? In Mornington, down in Mornington. Oh, okay, so um, local. Amazing rum. If you're up in Queensland, Neil Desperandum and Sunshine and Sons won a, a stack of gold for their gin and their rum. Uh, they... Um, the guys up there, Matt and the team, do wild ferment rum, and I think it's some of the best in Australia wow. as well, which is just lovely. Um, Josh and uh, his partner down, Tim Boone, we love their whiskey. So if you're heading down the coast, you know that's it's a it's a fair way down, but they got a you know another gold medal, which was Go on. you know just lovely. Yeah. Um, also, something I tasted this year that blew me away. Tell me, it was actually a, a puccine. Right from Hunter Island. So Cassie. a puccine is the uh, is like a Irish grappa. It's unwooded, it's, sort of. It's, it's sort of it's like scotch. Unaged, unaged Irish Irish whiskey, sort yes. of. Yes. You know, but um, gosh, it was good. It got a gold medal, and it was just absolutely, you know, sensational. Really? I think it blew me away. It was so rich. It, it almost had this incredible flavour of like honey and grain. But and then Ooh. sometime soon, if you head up to Queensland, you'll be able to visit. <gasps> The agave farm. This was the first year that there was a gold medal awarded for an Australian agave spirit, and uh, myself. Uh, this is project that I, I sort of led, but also Dervla down Lantha did a lot of the research distilling to create this spirit, and so this was very much a, a team effort to create. And an we're all awesome waiting for Australian it, Sam. Agave. Yeah, so the, What's it the called? Elite, yeah, it's called Act of Treason. All right, and, look out um, for it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, mate. Well, um, I think uh, again, it's um, it's an amazing thing, and it shows a snapshot of a of uh, emerging and establishing industry, which is just fantastic for. Well, it's for, great for jobs in Australia. It's great for our palates here, and uh, as you say, if we can. We should uh, drink Victorian and support Australian industries and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's the Absolutely. that's the message. And um, you know, it's not how much you're drinking; it's the quality that's in the glass, I suppose. Thirty seconds left. It's time to finish this up, Seb. It's always a delight to chat with you. Look after you yourself. Say hi to Dervler. Matt, thank you. Thank you, Ken. Uh, and uh, thank you, listeners, for tuning in with us. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 